lives. And as was mentioned, we are missing a lot of people. So do take a look around and uh, notice that and reach out to them. I want to thank those of you this last week when I was sick that uh, reached out to me through text in different ways and uh, were very encouraging. And most of all, I want to thank you for your prayers. I'm a firm believer in that prayers are powerful and uh, I have no problem with asking for prayer. You can remember to pray for me every day. You can pray for me every day, every time you think to pray. I'm good with that. So uh, I'll take advantage of all the prayers I can get. <clears throat> it is interesting uh, that we do have another uh, family and friend day coming up. This time around, it will be Matt Stewart, who is one of the uh, ministers up at St. Peter's. Uh, Matt is looking forward to being here. I'm looking forward to having him here. Uh, he is a fine brother in Christ, a wonderful gospel preacher, and I consider a good friend. Um, so do encourage people to come. I guarantee you he will be prepared. Uh, so that is just uh, a couple weeks away. And then the week after that is church camp time, Bible camp time. So, and he is one of the directors of the Bible camp too. So <laughs> anyway, mention that. Uh, I know uh, you are looking forward to that just as I am. But even before we look forward to that, we'll take advantage of being here today and being able to worship God. Uh, as we've been looking through First, Second Timothy and Lord willing, going to get on into Titus, but uh, these last several verses are interesting to me, and I'm not going to break it down and spend time in every single point that he makes about every single person that he mentions here in his closing remarks. But I do think it's interesting. <clears throat> when I look at those closing remarks, here's what I think. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? You know, because he's kind of like on his own pretty much. You ever feel like that? All these people that were with me, where'd they go? Jesus was like that, right? You remember when he's standing in trial? Where'd they go? So here's Paul, and he's going to preach the gospel, and, well, many times in chains, many times in prison, many shipwrecked, uh, all kinds of situations, but um, brethren who... Some of these brethren were sent to places by Paul to accomplish God's will and amen for those brethren. And if I had time, we'd spend more time on that today. But I want to look at this as we go. He says in verse 9, uh, make every effort to come to me soon. <coughs> I need you here, brother. I need you here. <coughs> come to me, writing to Timothy, come to me soon. Uh, and I know Tim loved Paul like a brother, but he loved him like a father. And he had great respect for this mentor, this uh, father in the faith, this apostle, this gospel preacher. And so when he said, come soon, you know, Timothy was doing everything he could to get there soon. But he starts off after saying that for Demas, Demas. Now, Demas is an interesting fellow. If we had time, we would see that Demas was a co-worker uh, along with others to the Apostle Paul in several places. He's mentioned in uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14 <coughs> with a list of co-workers there. So he was a co-worker in the <coughs> work, the missionary journeys. And then even in the little short letter of Philemon about his slave Onesimus, 
uh, he's also mentioned as one of the co-workers there. So I want you to know something. This isn't just some fella out of the blue. This is someone who was part of the team, who was part of those who were going and taking that message to others. But it's interesting, says, having loved this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So it wasn't a plan like in the, the guys in the rest of the verse <clears throat> that were sent to certain places to get work. No, he deserted. I don't know. It just seems like a terrible thing if you were known as a deserter, wouldn't it? I mean, if you worked alongside Apostle Paul and what he mentions you in the letter, the most he ever mentions about you besides just mention you in the letter is that you deserted him. Now, you think about how big and how important that is. I think about also, and we'll get to him a little more later in Acts chapter 15, the same thing is said, almost the same thing, is said about Mark or John Mark. Uh, but we get down here in a little while, he's going to ask for John Mark. But there is a little difference is because um, <clears throat> the words are a little different in the Greek that when John Mark was the one who deserted, he was being led away to desert. And you can see that here in this text with Demas, he deserted because he loved this present world. Isn't it interesting in 1 John uh, 2 and verse 15, he tells us that we're not to love this world nor the things of this world. It's easy to go chasing after the almighty dollar. You know, we live, and I'm not going to get into this too much because my sermon this afternoon We'll kind of get into some of the scenario of what we're doing, but on a totally different level. Because we're going to talk about Pride Month this afternoon. I mean, June in Missouri and the United States, we got to talk. I'm probably going to talk about it different than they're going to talk about it. But <clears throat> it's shoved down my throat and in my face every day. But you think about that, people get all lost in the almighty dollar and in the things of this world. I do keep up on a few things. I know that our inflation rate's the highest has been in 40 years. Now, those of us who lived back 40 years ago can remember Reagan and everything that went on then. And can remember if you could get an interest rate on a home loan at 14.5, you were getting a deal. That sounds just ridiculous to even think about that today. Uh, you can think about how hard that hit. You know, so we're not predictors of the future, but we lived through it once before. You know, I know that gas, gasoline prices have rose by nearly, not quite, in the last year, 50%. You know, so one thing after another after another. Now, if you don't watch out, you get focused on that junk and you forget what life's about. And that's what Demas was doing. He got lost in the things of the world. And he forgot what he was there to do. You're not here to do this. You're not here to do that. You're here on this missionary journey to accomplish this work. And you need to remember who you are. And you need to suck it up. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just forgot who his spiritual family was. And he was homesick and wanted to go home to his physical family. Could even be that simple. I'm telling you, he bailed on what he had committed to do. And that's what he's known for. He deserted. He threw in the towel. In 
uh, Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus is uh, defining or describing or telling us about the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, whichever you choose to title it at. He gets into one of those soils, and one of those soils are the thorns. And that's when the care of the world springs up and chokes out your faith. Wow. Demas, what a sad thing. That's what he's known for. Now, I do think this is interesting to me. Now, I know this is a letter written to Timothy, but also know this is inspired word of God. So I know it's accurate to the T. I do know that God knew and Paul knew that this word would be recorded and used to guide the church through the history and through the remainder of man's existence here on this earth. And he chose to use the man's name. So it's real life. It's a real person. He doesn't stop there, though. You do also get to... Uh, Verse 11, and we did at least mention him uh, here. It says, only Luke is with me. When you're an old man, and Paul was an old man, and his health wasn't good, it'd probably be good to have a doctor along besides a brother in Christ. Well, we all know Luke. He was the physician, much younger than Paul. One of the men, not an apostle, but one of the men God chose to record one of the gospel accounts. He was somebody special. He was there with me. Uh, he says, pick up Mark, and it's believed that this is the same Mark, the John Mark, that Barnabas in Acts chapter 15, and if we had time, we'd turn back and look at that, but I'll never get through all the things I want to today. <clears throat> look, that Barnabas and Paul had quite a disagreement on. I also know that John Mark happened to be Barnabas's uh, relative. And... Barnabas wants to take John Mark back again on another trip, and Paul says, uh, we're not doing that. He bailed on us once, and I'm not getting hung out to dry again. But Barnabas, they went their own ways. They didn't divide spiritually over anything scripturally. They just had a different view on how to use John Mark in the work or what, how he would be involved. And they still went about accomplishing God's will. And obviously, Barnabas did a good job with what he set with his uh, young relative because we see here that it says, uh, bring him with you for he is useful to me for my service. That alone says, hey, thanks a lot, Barnabas. But sometimes you don't have to, when you're in the midst of a missionary journey and stuff, we don't have time to be bottle feeding people. We got to get this done, this done, and this done. And Barnabas says, well, someone needs to do that. Well, then you go do it. And that's what they did. <laughs> but I also think it's interesting. You do know how much Paul early in his Christianity and apostleship needed Barnabas to deal with the Jewish brethren. So he had tremendous respect for the man. So I think it's interesting. So first two people we really find, it's not the only two people, but first in the first group of people, we find two people, Demas. Oh yeah, he talked a big talk, but now where's he at? John Mark, who did the same thing, but repented 
and become what he needed to do to the point now who now who's Paul asking for? I think those things are so important to me and kind of jump off the page at me. <clears throat> if we had time, we'd look at a bunch more, but he mentions another fellow pretty much uh, in detail. His name's Alexander. He's Alexander the coppersmith. So not only he's Alexander, but it mentions his line of work, and there could be a reason for that. Could be that, uh, could be something to do with idolatry and idols being made. Uh, but Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Alexander did me much harm. Does that sound like he slandered him? Sound like it made it hard on him to get in places, hard to do things, spoke evil against him? Well, this Alexander, this coppersmith, did me much harm. And then he says, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Paul going to go hunt him down and put a whooping on him? Paul's going to rain down, call and rain down fire and brimstone? <laughs> he said, he did me much harm, but let me tell you what. The Lord will take care of him. It's all going to come out in the wash. You know, sometimes we want our own revenge, our own vengeance. I think it's so important to know the Lord will take care of us. The Lord, when people stand contrary to God's people and to His written Word, the Lord's going to take care of them. Now, there is much evil in the world, and sometimes, I hate to say this, <clears throat> there are too many evil brethren within the body of Christ. Jump with me, if you would, over to Psalm chapter 1. When I think about this, the Lord's going to take care of us, and the Lord's going to take care of those who don't live according to His will. I think of Psalm 1. <clears throat> and I want you to know this has been God's, how God takes care of His people all the time. You don't have to worry about taking care of yourself. I got you covered. So in Psalm 1, it says, uh, How blessed is the man who does not walk, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted in the streams of water, which yield its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away, and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the Lord, but the way of the wicked will perish. Wow. Lord going to take care of us if we do what's right? Lord's going to take care of us if we do what's right every time. Another passage that came to my mind, I mean, you can't talk about being a faithful Christian and trusting in God without looking at the one Christian comes from, and that's Christ himself, can you? So over in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, I, like, I would start at verse 21, but we'll leave it alone right now. <laughs> It talks about Jesus leaving us an example and where to follow in his steps in verse 21. But in verse 22, 
And who committed no sin, this Jesus who committed no sin, more was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, you remember that on the, in his judgment on the cross? He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But we sing he could have called 10,000 angels. But kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. Even Jesus, what did he say? My father will take care of it. My father will take care of it. He's going to do this. He's not going to let these things happen. In the end, they will pay for what they do. Sometimes it gets frustrating in the time frame we live that evildoers are blessed and rewarded, and those who do righteous are called all kinds of names and treated all kinds of horrendous ways. I don't know what's always going to happen on this earth in every situation, but I'll tell you what, I know what's going to happen in judgment. I know it because the Lord's already told me. I, I'm, no, I'm not that smart, but He's already told me. <clears throat> and those who mistreat brethren are definitely going to be in one of the toughest situations of all. So here's Alexander, the coppersmith, and he is doing much harm to Paul and to that missionary trip. And I'm telling you what, God's going to take notice. So turn with me to one more passage on that point before we turn back and read the rest of what it says about Alexander. <laughs> but turn with me over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Listen to this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to pick up right at verse 5. Now this seems pretty simple to me, the first part. This is a plain indication. Does that seem like it ought to be easily seen? This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment. For after all, it is only just God will repay with affliction those who afflict you. What did you say? Is Alexander the coppersmith going to get paid for how he treated Paul? Oh, yeah. You brought affliction on Paul? God says that didn't go unnoticed. And you think you dished out something? Wait till you get what I dish out. And then he says, And to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord himself will revealed with his mighty angels in flaming fire. And you know how the rest of the passage goes. He said, I'm telling you what. God says, Kendall, don't worry about it right now. I got it covered. Be patient and wait. I guarantee you, he's going to wish he never did that to you. He's going to wish he had done exactly how he should have done and did exactly what you told him, which was my will. And he's going to, for eternity, he said, I got it covered. He might have harmed you for a short time and in a physical and emotional way, but I got it. I want you to think how big that is. God says, don't, I got you, don't think those things go unnoticed. Don't think God doesn't realize that. And don't think that when the end of time comes and Jesus returns, the faithful are going to be going meet the Lord in the air, right? The dead in Christ first, and then those of us who are still alive, they're in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. <laughs> but he says those who don't, they're going to deal with the mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution. I tell you what. 
I don't want no part of no angel in flame and fire, and I definitely don't want to deal without any retribution he's going to be dealing out. All I know is if that's the case, you don't know what's bad yet. How important that is. So Alexander, the coppersmith, I want you to think about this. He said, he's done me, much me much harm, and the Lord will take care of that. But he goes on and says, be on guard against him yourself. So he said, he's going to treat other brethren bad. For he is vigorously opposed to opposed our teaching. He's vigorously opposed to what we say. He's going to bring all this on. You know, you think about that. Paul's teachers have been that way. These are people, it appears, that are maybe insiders. Maybe not. <clears throat> but they're going to stand totally opposed to the truth. I think about that, like in passages like um, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6, those who walk disorderly. And he says, turn away from them. Stay away from them. When you see them, turn away from them. Wow, that's pretty serious. I think also over in Titus chapter 3, uh, if we took time and we're not going to, but get down to verse 10, it says to reject the divisive brother after the first second warning. So no beating around the birth. She told him once, she told him twice, we're done. And now we're going to reject them, stay away from them. Stay, get out of there. Why would you stay in a situation? He's giving them the warning about Alexander, isn't he? He said, I tell you what, brethren, you need to stay away from this man because he means you harm. And he did me much harm. So although I think, whew, boy, Demas really gets it laid on him. But Alexander, I tell you what, I can't find anything good said about the man anywhere. The only time he's mentioned is the trouble he's bringing on the brethren. The Lord will repay. Now here's what I try to remember. When you look at all that, you say, man, Kendall, this is a downer passage. Why would you bring us here? Here's why. Look at verse 16. First he says, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. He says, when I showed up to preach the gospel, there's not one person that stood with me. I was all by myself. Well, he didn't say that. He said, but there wasn't no one to back me. I've been fortunate in my life. Sometimes we get in a small minority, but in my life I've known people and I have brethren who, and they might be few and far between, and they are, but they got you back. And I'm telling you what, I love those brethren dearly who say they got your back and do, because there's a lot of them tell they got your back, but I tell you what, uh, they're two-faced, and when the going gets tough, they'll throw you under the bus. He says, and I'm all alone. I'm all alone. That wasn't where he stopped, so. But the Lord stood with me. Before we even look at anything else, that's everything, isn't it? I tell you what, I couldn't depend on anybody else, but I tell you who was there? The Lord was there. When David went out to fight Goliath, who was with him? None of his brothers, who were the heroes, supposedly, the King Saul, who's bigger than all the Jews, who sizes up best of the giant, that coward's still standing back, standing back in, the, in the palace. 
But David all the time knew, today the Lord will deliver you to me. So I think about this point when he says, the Lord is with me. In James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, you draw near to God what? He'll draw near to you. How do you do that? Through humility, pride will keep you away. Humility will draw you to him. I like that statement, if you're not as close to God as you once were, guess who moved? But if you draw near to God, what will God do? He will always, listen to me, He will always, you can go over there in James 4 and verse 7 and 8, He will always draw near to you. But if you don't draw near to Him, He's not going to make up the difference. The Lord stood with me. Think about another one that we know well. Oh man, i got to stay out of that chapter and we'll never be done before lunchtime. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, If God is for us, Well, I can be against you. It doesn't matter. That's the point, right? He understands there can still be a... Don't, he isn't saying there can't be anybody against you. He's saying it doesn't matter who's against you. If God is for us, you win. If God is for us, you win. Maybe not on a physical level, but spiritually, eternally, you win. The Lord stood with me. I always think it's interesting that he used the word stood. <laughs> the Lord stood with me. I guess you can't hardly go with that passage without mentioning another one like in Philippians 4 and verse 13, can you? If the Lord stood with you, how's it going to go? Hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord stood with me. While we're on that point, we're going to turn to one, and then i got to go to a couple other passages, and the lesson will be yours. Hebrews chapter 13. Listen to this. Hebrews 13. I'm going to start reading at verse 5. Make sure that your character, and I've had people tell me before I'm quite a character. Make sure that your character is free from a love of money. Didn't say you had to have an empty pocket. If one person in this room has more money than another person in that room, that make them better? Matter of fact, it gives them more responsibility what it does. Matter of fact, I know the Bible would teach and Jesus would say, if it gives me more money, it's just going to make it harder for me to get to heaven. That's kind of scary. Being content, uh-oh, why's he got to use that word? With what you have, being content with, we've got to have more, got to have more, got to be content with what you have. For he himself said, here it is, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Can you count on God? Through thick and thin, rich or poor, whatever it is. So we have, so we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? He can do plenty, but it can't separate us from God. He goes on and says, Remember those who led you and spoke the word of God to you, and consider the results of your conduct. Imitate their faith. And then he says this, Jesus Christ is a pretty good guy. 
Jesus Christ is someone you can almost always depend. No, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and you want to get to the big ringer? Forever. So he says, the Lord stood with me. Paul says, I'm in the right, if it's just me and him, I'm in the right company. It might be a small group. Let me ask you this before we turn to just a couple other passages. <clears throat> we'll turn to one and mention another one. You can turn over to it if you want. We'll be over in Matthew 11 here in just a moment. I'll give you the verse in just a while. You remember reading this story about God making it rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights? And he had this boat made, big boat, we call it ark. And God had a man, a righteous man, and his family, <coughs> who spent decades putting this boat together exactly the way the Lord said, exactly how he said it. Because he was a righteous man. You know what righteous men do? They do what's right. You know what's right? What God says is right. And when the rains came, where was God and his people? Riding in a boat. Where was everybody else? Drowning in a flood. I tell you what, if God stands with you, it doesn't make any difference how big the number is. Jesus would even say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, there's a broad, easy way. It's a way of the world. It's a way of denominationalism. It's a way of man. It's easy, but it leads to destruction. And many go in there. They don't even know it. But there's a straight and narrow way. It's found right within the page of the Bible. And it leads to eternal life. And we have to do that. So I want you to think about this. When I read about <coughs> the Apostle Paul wrapping up this letter, this second letter to Timothy, and he gets down to this end, Timothy, I say, oh, my poor brother Paul. Man, I just can't believe all my brother Paul's having to deal with. He's only doing what's right, and he's only doing according to God's will. Oh, God, please hold him up. <laughs> and then I think about these verses that are so familiar to us over in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 22, when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. Come and I will hold you. With the Lord's help, we've already won. You know how I know that? Because Jesus on Sunday morning rose from the grave. And if we're Christians, when he returns, we'll rise from the grave or we'll rise from this life, be changed in a twinkling of an eye to go meet him in the clouds forever. But without him, well, I guess John 15, 5 says it pretty simple, doesn't it? How's it without him? Without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Wow, a lot in that. I didn't even pay any justice to how much I over ran right past in those last few verses. But I thought, man, I'll spend forever in these closing remarks. But listen to this. When you feel like that and say, where'd everybody go? Where's all the faithful brethren? 
Just remember if you can say this, though everyone else deserted me, the Lord stood with me. And you know why he stood with you? Think over to James, because you stood with him. If we can help you today in any way with your relationship with God, if you've never confessed the name of Jesus because of faith and what the Bible teaches about him being the Son and God and your Savior, boy, you need to do that today. And if you've never repented and stopped living your way and started living his way, and if you've never been buried in a watery grave of baptism and had your sins washed away, we beg you to do that this morning. And if you're a Christian, Hopefully you're not Demas. Hopefully you're not Alexander. If you are, you can fix that problem. If we can help you in any way with your relationship with God, please come as we stand and sing.